Drama on One. Sundays at 8pm. rta.ie forward slash drama on one. Drama on one. Drama on One is a podcast and you can find it at rte.ie forward slash drama on one. And of course here on RTE Radio 1 on Sunday nights. Tonight we have two short plays, each with a hint of noir. Later on, we'll hear Marie Mullen in Sorry, Wrong Number by Lucille Fletcher. But first, Mulligan, a new play by John O'Donnell. Shauna Kerslake stars as Alison, a woman who knows that when push comes to shove, there is no love like a mother's love. Martin still isn't talking to me because of what happened to the dog. Last night, for example, we were watching a programme about whales. You can't switch on these days without seeing someone sitting in the ocean explaining how alike we are. Us and them. I said to Martin, Do you think, in some parallel universe, there are whales with cameras and microphones making documentaries about humans? He just sighed and turned up the sound. The dead female is not the baby's mother. The TV presenter was talking about grief. Whales mourn their dead, she said, especially the ones that die young. In one clip, you could see them form a circle around a female who kept nosing her lifeless calf, prodding it with her fins. I thought of that poor Timony girl and how her mother kept clinging to the coffin outside the church. One of the newspapers in Dowling's had a picture. Need anything from the kitchen? I was trying to offer Martin an olive branch. He didn't even lift his eyes from the TV. Oh, for God's sake, stop going on about it. Then he shouts back, I didn't say a word. He is such a child. The lead was still hanging beside the back door. Everyone assumed we'd got the dog for Graham, because he's an only child. But I'd been keen as well, especially after Martin had suggested that doing some local volunteer work would get me out of the house, if that's what I wanted. The vase I threw at him had been a present from his mother but it didn't stop him smirking the day Graham and I brought the dog home from the pound, when the first thing it did was to whittle all over the kitchen floor. Straight away, Martin was in telling us what to do. Well, you two are cleaning up after us. Graham ran off to get newspapers, while I knelt down with the cloth and the jay's fluid, imagining it was Martin's face I was squirting it into as I squeezed the trigger. The dog sat there watching us, a little trembling bundle of white fluff with a black patch over one eye. Graham adored him. And after a while, even Martin began to warm to him, murmuring to him, stroking him, fondling his ears. He did all this when he thought I wasn't looking. It was Martin who came up with the name. Mulligan. Apparently, in golf, it means a second chance. I could hear Graham in his bedroom above the kitchen shifting in his chair. 
He's never off that computer. The school sent a WhatsApp advising parents to ration screen time. But how can anyone stop a 13-year-old from watching what he wants? Leave him be, I'd say, whenever Martin complained. He's lonely. But things have been different if he'd had a little brother or sister. We did try again after he was born. But it never happened. Elevated killer cells, the doctor said. We all have these natural killers inside us, it seems. An army of cells ready to attack any invader that raids our bodies. And I have more than usual. So the chances of any embryo surviving in me were always slim. Blood thinners, steroids, folic acid, we even tried IVF. It's no one's fault, the doctor explained. Though I could see Martin raising an eyebrow at me when she said this. Then she smiled. Graham's a bit of a miracle, really. A very particular talent. His art teacher once told me. Well, he gets that from me. This was back in primary school. He was only five or six. She'd shown me his work. Though I think she really wanted to talk to me about why Graham had no friends. Lots of pictures of eyes. Crying. In some places he'd pressed down so fiercely with a pencil that he'd torn through the paper. And all the tears were coloured black. I could feel her watching me to see how I'd react. These are amazing, I said. The teacher just frowned. He's a good boy, Graham. Though I'm not saying he's some kind of saint. He can be quite moody, slamming doors and stomping around the place. And when he's in one of his sulks, he'll disappear out of the house for hours himself a mulligan. Where did you two get to? I'd say when they'd come back. The rows were always with Martin, not me. One time, after Martin had told him yet again that his bedroom was a pigsty, Graham stormed out with the dog and didn't come back until after dark. The following morning, there was a new scratch all along the side of Martin's car. It must have happened must at have work. Happened at I said. Martin was having none of it. You always take his side, he said. Straight away, I denied it. Though maybe he had a point. But there's no love like a mother's love. Is there? Chloe, the girl's name was. Chloe Timoney age six. She'd been playing in the park with her friends and her older sister when she becomes separated from them. Distracted by... Well, no one knew. Her body was found a day later, about two miles away, in bushes at the edge of waste ground near the railway line. Head down, face bashed in, covered in dried blood. Lisa down in Dowling's newsagents had it all. Her husband is in the police, so she always knows the gory details. The CCTV cameras in the park were broken, and her friends remembered nothing. 
No creepy stranger, no waiting car. The older sister couldn't remember anything either, except that at one stage she thought she'd seen a dog. She was distraught, blaming herself, though as Lisa said, what kind of parents leave a six-year-old being supervised by a ten-year-old? Three days later, the police made an arrest. Norman something or other. In his forties, living in a council flat. He'd been released on licence, Lisa said. Child porn. He was on the sex offenders list. Then one of the children said she'd seen Norman in the park before watching the swings and he had a dog. A pale, runty thing called Buster. But according to Lisa, the day the girl disappeared, Norman had been 70 miles away visiting his mother in a nursing home. He'd signed in and the staff remembered him. So the police had to let him go. That only left the dog, which was nothing, really. Lisa doesn't like dogs, doesn't let them into the shop. Any time you go into that park, she said, straightening the fashion magazines, there are dozens of them, yapping and running around and doing their business. And they're all the same, if you ask me. She was right. The fact Chloe's sister might have seen a dog, well, so what? And I wouldn't have thought any more about it if it hadn't been for the trainers. He'd only had them a month. White with red laces and a blue star on the side. They were expensive, but he doesn't ask for much. The last place I expected to see them was stuffed down at the bottom of the black bin. It was a Sunday after that poor girl was found. They still looked new when I lifted them out. Except there was a stain on the toe of one, and a larger blotch, the same dark reddish colour on the other. I mean, it could have been paint or something. Or maybe someone else had shoved them into our bin. A week later, I mentioned to him, as casually as I could, that I hadn't seen him wearing his new trainers for a while. Oh, oh. those, he said. Yeah, yeah I, meant I meant to tell you. Tell you. They were nicked they out of my locker in my school. Locker. Uh, I reported it to I, Gump. I reported it to Gump. Gump was Mr Forrest, Graham's dandruff-shouldered form teacher. I kept looking at him as he said this, wondering would he avoid my eyes but he just looked straight back at me. He didn't even blush. Evil. You see it under those front page pictures of paedophiles and rapists and child murderers. The word the tabloids love. Lisa Dowling loves it too. She said the police were now looking to interview anyone who owned a small white dog. Whoever he is, they should lock him up and throw away the key, she said, closing the cash register with relish, because there's nothing anyone can do for the likes of him. Gump knew nothing about the trainers being stolen. We take any allegation of theft very seriously, he said as he offered me a form to fill in. Oh, I'm sure they'll turn up, I said. Let's just wait and see. But sometimes you can't wait. Sometimes you have to act. And no way could I tell Martin. He couldn't bear the weight of a secret like this pressing down on him. 
The problem with Martin is he's weak. We drove up into the hills, me and Mulligan, until we reached the reservoir. I opened the back door and he hopped out, sniffing the night air before looking up as if to say, well, now what? I dragged an old gym bag out of the boot onto the ground and pulled it open. The trainers were in at the bottom, along with some stones I'd thrown in earlier to weigh it down. In you go. In you go. He glances in and peers quizzically at me, head cocked to one side. Come on. Come on. Come on, Mulligan. Come on, Mulligan. I open the bag a little wider. The path around the reservoir is empty, so far as I can tell in the darkness. I mean, no one has any business being up here at this hour. But the dog just stands there, wagging his tail. Come on, Mulligan. I throw a few biscuits into the back of the bag. Now he's interested. He begins snuffling his way in. Good dog. I hear him crunching down greedily on one of the treats. I pull the drawstring of the bag tight. He starts yelping as I begin to lift it. It's much heavier than I'd expected, and he's struggling so much, frantically trying to get out that I almost drop it. Eventually, I manage to haul the wriggling bag up and heave it out as far as I can into the reservoir. There's a splash as it breaks the water's glassy stillness, and the bag was gone. Martin was furious. What do you mean lost? He kept saying over and over again. Poor Graham was in tears. He wanted to tell the police and put posters up on lampposts. But I didn't think it was a good idea. Tell you what, I said. Why don't the two of us go and have a look for him together? We drove around the roads for a while. We even stopped to look in the park. Then we drove out to the wasteland beside the railway line. Graham got out and scampered ahead, calling the dog's name. But when he came to where the Timoney girl had been found, he stopped. You okay? You okay? When I said this, he pulled his hoodie down over his face. There was a little shrine of cards and toys and flowers. So sad, isn't it? But Graham wouldn't look at me. He just kept chewing the drawstrings of his hoodie. You sure you're okay? I put my arms around him. He was quivering and I wanted to whisper, I know. I wanted to say that this was a second chance and that not everyone gets a second chance. But I didn't. He pulled away from me then and wiped his eyes. Come on, he said. Let's keep looking just in case. And he headed off again over the waste ground. As I walked after him, although I was sad, a part of me was proud. My son, you see, is strong. Like me.
We've been listening to Mulligan by John O'Donnell. Shauna Kerslake was Alison and the sound engineer was Gar Duffy. Mulligan by John O'Donnell was directed by Goretti Slaven. And congratulations to John, whose story Mr. Who took first prize at the 2023 RTE Short Story Competition in honour of Francis McManus. If you find you've been affected by any of the issues raised in the play, please go to our helplines. You can find them at rte.ie forward slash helplines. rte.ie forward slash drama on one.